There's a, a concept in business and leadership uh, culture called the Peter Principle. Some of you may know this concept, the Peter Principle, if you are uh, you know, in business or you've, you've read business books or leadership books. Uh, the Peter Principle, uh, the subtitle is Why Things Always Go Wrong. This book was published in 1969. It's sort of become a classic. Uh, it was written by a guy named Dr. Lawrence Peter. And what he explores in this book is the tendency in an organization, a business, a, 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 a nonprofit agency, or, or whatever it is, for people to rise to the level of their incompetence. And, and what he means by that is that we tend to rise to the level of our competence in whatever area of life we're in, and if we are competent in that level, we get promoted to the next level, but the next level is the level where we are not competent to fulfill the function, to fulfill the role or the tasks of that level. How many of you have a boss who got one too many promotions? Let's hear it. No, no, don't raise your hand, um, especially if you're on staff here, please. Uh, <laughs> We, we've, all, we've all experienced this idea or this experience in life, and, and it kind of works like this. We've made a graph for you. Uh, what happens is you have success at one level, right? And then people notice, hey, this person's doing a good job at this level. Then you get a promotion to the next level. And then you do well at that level, and people notice, and then you get a promotion to the next level. And then you do okay and do well at that level. You're competent. You have capacity for that. Then you get promoted. But at some point, you get promoted to a level for which you are not competent. And suddenly, you are doing things that are outside of your ability, outside of your strength, outside of your scope. So, for instance, it may be um, uh, a chef. He's a really good chef, or she's a really, really good chef, and they get promoted to restaurant manager. Well, the tools and the skills that they needed to be a good chef don't necessarily translate to the tools and the skills that they need to be a good restaurant manager. And so while they were competent at this level, they got promoted to a level where they're incompetent. They hit the Peter principle. They tapped out. They don't have capacity in that role. Or maybe uh, you know, a lawyer is a really good lawyer. He's a good litigator. Or she's a good litigator. And they do a great job at that. And then they get promoted to the head of the firm where they're managing other lawyers. But suddenly, the skills of being a litigator don't translate to the skills of being a, a you know, firm-wide manager. right? So we all have seen this in life. We've experienced it in our workplaces. Sometimes we experience it in our personal life. Like we're going along in life. And we're doing okay. The skills and, and tools that we have adapted and, and adopted for the work that we're doing right now seem to be working. But we see new challenges, new obstacles, new responsibilities coming down the pipe. And we don't know if we have the capacity or the competency to handle the things that are right around the corner. Like if, if you're a, um, you know, a single mom and you've been raising kids and you're trying to hold it all together and you're working and you're trying to make sure that they're you know, in sports or, or doing you know, clubs or doing something that's nourishing your children and, and, and you're, you're trying to do your very, very best and then they hit that teenage level and you go, oh, I, I don't know if I have the capacity now to, to be competent in this new role because there are new challenges that are coming down. If you're a single person or a student, sometimes you're trying to manage, you're trying to handle all kinds of different challenges. You're, 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 you know, you're being tested. You're having to, to handle you know, the, the work-life balance and the school-life balance and dating and do I swipe left or do I swipe right? I'm not sure which direction to swipe on this. All the single people know what I'm talking about. All the married people are like, praise the Lord, I'm not messing with that anymore. But, but, 
But we, we, we face these new challenges. We face these new responsibilities that keep on coming. And we don't know if we will have the capacity to meet them. And the thing is, you can't time out of life. You can't say, all right, I'm going to just stop. Right? I don't, I, no, more, no more new responsibilities. No more new challenges. The question that we have to ask ourselves is, do I, how do I get the capacity to handle the new responsibilities? How do I get the capacity to handle the new difficulties and new uh, challenges that I'm facing? And today we're in part seven of our, our sermon series, Simon Says. And we have seen, if you've been following this series, if you haven't, go back online and, and watch some of the previous um, uh, sermons. We've been watching a guy named Simon Peter in what we're calling the imperfect steps of faith. And we keep seeing Simon Peter hit the Peter principle. Like he keeps getting to a point where he's kind of doing okay, but then he's out of his depth. Suddenly he doesn't have the capacity and he doesn't have the competence to do the thing that God is calling him to do. And so he keeps getting up to this level and then bang, he gets hit with new stuff and he does not know how to handle it. He's got new responsibilities and he doesn't have the competency to handle it. He doesn't have the ability to handle it. We've seen last week, if you were here last week, Simon preached a sermon from Acts chapter 2 that absolutely transformed the, the early Christian church. There were, Simon was kind of the leader of 11 other guys, all right? And then he kind of, when Jesus ascended, then he sort of became leader of about 120. And then last week, he preached a sermon, and something about the sermon caught my attention because in the sermon here, here's the language that he used in the sermon he said and he, he was quoting from the prophet Joel he said in the last days God says I will pour out my spirit on all people he said I'm gonna God says I'm gonna pour out my spirit on all people then he said the promise is for you and for your children and for all of those who are far off all of those who the Lord our God will call so Simon is saying I'm, I'm, I'm talking about a global movement. God is going to bring everybody together. And if you remember, last Sunday, we, we ended with this. But there was a detail in last week's text that some of you may have noticed and some of you may not have noticed. Because it turns out that when Simon said all, he didn't actually mean all. There were 3,000 converts that became followers of Jesus that day, and they did come from different parts of the country. They did come from different parts of the world, but there was one little detail. They were all Jewish. There were no, no converts from any other tradition, religion, irreligion, lack of faith, different faith. They were from many towns, but they were all from one tribe. You see, when Simon Peter, Simon Peter was a very observant Jewish man. He, 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 he never broke the laws. He never, he was always following and observant of the, of the laws of, of, of the Israelites. And when he said all, what he really meant was all Jewish people. Now, God didn't mean just all Jewish people, but in Simon's mind, when he's saying, and he will pour out his spirit on all people, he didn't really consider the possibility that God was talking through him and through the prophet Joel to say, no, 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 no. I'm actually talking about all people. Because every convert in this 3,000 3, person conversion they were, were multi-ethnic, but they were mono-religious. They were all Jewish. And Simon, in his mind, could not conceive of the possibility that this 
gospel truly is for everyone. Now today, as we sit here, this seems like, like so obvious, right? We're, we're the generation of we are the world. We, you know, we're like, we're, we understand that God is for everybody. But Simon couldn't have fathomed that in that moment. His capacity to comprehend what God had for him was limited. He was hitting the Peter principle because God was getting ready to have him go out and start preaching the gospel to people that he never really fathomed would be a part of the gospel. He was getting ready to take Peter into a whole new dimension, and Peter wasn't ready for it. Peter was observant of the Jewish laws, but he could not imagine that God was actually talking about other people. And so Peter's hitting the Peter principle, and sometimes we hit the Peter principle. God has purposes for our lives that are bigger than we imagine. God has a vision for our life that is bigger than we imagine. God has a, a, a calling for our life that is bigger than we imagine. But we're hitting the Peter principle. We're saying, I don't have the competency. I don't have the capacity to do that. So when Peter hit the Peter principle, God did something in his life. And I'm going to title this message today, What God Did, because God gave him the Simon Stretch. He hit the Peter principle, but God said, I'm going to stretch you beyond your ability. I'm going, to make, I'm going to stretch your capacity to actually match your calling. I'm going to, I'm going to stretch your ability to match your assignment. Because, because a lot of times we get to that point in life and we go, I don't know if I've got any more margin. I don't know if I've got any more stretch. I don't know if I've got any more room. I'm, I'm running at full tilt, and I'm still not accomplishing the things that God wants me to accomplish and that I know I need to accomplish. God, how are you going to make me, how are you going to stretch and expand my capacity? How are you going to ex expand my competency? And what we're going to see here in just a moment is Simon is going to meet somebody that's going to challenge every religious, ethnic idea that Simon has held all his life and God is going to use this moment to stretch Simon into the man that God wants him to be. So I want to take you into this passage in Acts chapter 10 and we're going to just walk through this, this scripture and see what God does in Simon. It says this, it says, at Caesarea there was a man named Cornelius. Okay, there's a little clue. Cornelius is not a Jewish name, all right? Just so you know. That's not, you, you don't find a lot of prophets named Cornelius. You know, you find a lot of Daniels and Obadiahs and Nehemiahs. You don't find a lot of Corneliuses in the Old Testament. So there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as, if you didn't get it the first time, he's going to give you another clue, the Italian regiment, all right? So what's happening here is we're being introduced in the story to somebody who Peter, in his mind, falls outside of what the term all means. Because we don't always mean all when we say all. The Declaration of Independence was drafted in 1776 by Thomas Jefferson. And it says, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, and they have certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Thomas Jefferson didn't mean all. Thomas Jefferson was a slaveholder. So he said all. He didn't really mean all. But when God says all, he's talking about all. God says all, he's talking about everybody. He's talking about all people, all flesh, from far off, all. And so here we've got, here we've got a guy who is, first of all, a few problems. First of all, he's not from the ethnic group that Peter is from. Okay, this is a problem for Simon because this is just, this is just a boundary that Simon has never crossed. 
You just look through the New Testament, look through the Gospels. Simon's never crossed this boundary. This is about, he's, he's been some places, he's done some things, but he's never reached out to a non-Jew. He's never been in an environment with a Gentile, interacting with Gentiles. He just hasn't done this yet. And not only is this a person not of his own ethnicity, this is a person of the ethnicity of the nationality of people who invaded his country about 70 years ago and, and took over and invaded and became uh, uh, the invaders of Jerusalem and started taking over his hometown. All right? So Simon's got no love for this guy. Not only is he part of that ethnic group, but he's in the military in that ethnic group of the tribe that came in, took over his territory, took over Simon's hometown. Are you with me? You following the, the, the problem here? Not only is he in the military, he's a centurion. He's a leader in the military of the group that invaded Simon's town. This is not somebody Simon is eager to interact with. Cornelius is not somebody that Simon says, hey man, let's talk about the gospel, you and me, let's just hang out, right? Not only did he, is he part of that military and a leader of that military, but you may have remembered that Simon's Lord and Savior was killed by a member of this particular ethnic group of this military of this class. Last time Simon interacted with a soldier, I don't know if you remember this, he cut his ear off. So God's getting ready to say, hey, I want you to I want you to meet somebody. I want, to, I want you to share the gospel with somebody. And we're headed for a conflict. We're headed for a problem because Simon doesn't have the capacity to understand that all really means all and that God really wants him to reach all and that God really wants him to, to preach the gospel to this guy, Cornelius. So God is, is, is doing some work. Uh, there's this guy, Cornelius. He's a centurion, Italian regiment. And it says this, he and his, his whole family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. So even though he wasn't a believer, this Italian military Gentile was praying to God. One day, it says at about three in the afternoon, Cornelius had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Last week I said, Jesus speaks your language. God speaks your language. Today I want to say God knows your name. God knows your struggles. He knows your pain. He knows your difficulties. He knows what challenges you. He knows the hurts that you've experienced. He knows the hair on your head. He knows your name. He knows your business. He knows your thoughts. And, he's, and he wants to reach out to you. He said, Cornelius, right? Called him out by name. Cornelius stared at him in fear, at the angel in fear. What is it, Lord? He asked. The angel answered, Cornelius, your prayers and your gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. If you want to get God's attention, take care of God's kids. You see, you see, Cornelius didn't have his theology right, but he had his sociology right. So he might not have understood what it meant to be religiously pious, but he was interested in people. And God said, hey, you know what? I noticed that you're taking care of the poor, and I'm interested in, in that because those are my kids. And so your prayer has come up as a memorial offering to me, it says. Now, this is the angel speaking to Cornelius, send some men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who is called Peter. So you guys are getting the, the, the picture, right? Corne God is speaking to Cornelius and saying, hey, I want you to go send some guys to go talk to Simon. Simon doesn't know that God is working over here in Cornelius's life. Simon is over here in all doesn't really mean all land, right? God is over here in all means all land, and these two lands are about to land on each other in just a minute, 
right? God is saying, I want you to send some men to go get Simon Peter. He is staying with a guy named Simon the Tanner, all right? Now, why is that detail important? We ne- throughout the Bible, we never hear of a tanner. This is the only time in the Bible we hear about anybody that's in this industry. The tanning industry, you know, it's, it's, it's not with the goggles and the, and, the, and the thing where you lie down and the ultraviolet, it's a different thing. So it's, it's, tanning, it's tanning hides for leather. So if you've got shoes or you've got a belt or a purse or anything like that, um, then, you know, it's been to a tanner. So this is a guy who works with dead animals, is what he does. He takes dead animals and he skins them and he makes leather out of it. So what's, what's, what's happening here, and we, we find out three times Simon the Tanner is mentioned in this passage. What's happening is that God is already incrementally putting Simon in a situation where his capacity is beginning to expand. Because, because a person who touches dead people in ancient Jewish culture are ceremonially, ceremonially unclean. So for Simon to be interacting and staying with a guy who's a tanner is already starting to stretch Simon out a little bit. And God's saying, man, you, you don't even know. We just got started. So he said, go send some people. This guy Simon, Peter, is staying with Simon the tanner. It says, when the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants, and he told them everything that had happened, and he sent them to Joppa. Now, I just want to just, I'm, someday I'm going to preach a comparison between Jonah and Simon. Because if you were here a few weeks ago, uh, we did a series on Jonah. And if you remember, Jonah, Jonah was called by God from the city of Joppa to go preach to some people that he didn't like. He was called by God to preach to some folks that he didn't want to be around. Simon is staying in Joppa, and God's saying, I want you to go preach to somebody that you don't like. I want you to go preach to somebody that you don't like hanging around, right? If you remember, Jonah said, no thanks, I'm out of here. He got into a boat. He ended up getting thrown out of the boat, went to the bottom of the sea, got swallowed by a fish. Simon stepped out of a boat, followed God, became a fisher of men. So the difference of the outcome was the difference in obedience. One said yes, one said no. God said, I'm going to make you a fisher of men. The other one, he said, I'm going to swallow you with a big old fish. So someday we'll get to that sermon, but that's not today. Moving forward. So he's in Joppa. About noon the following day, as the men from Cornelius' house were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter, it says, went up on the roof to pray. He went up on the roof to pray. He did not know what was coming, but he went up on the roof to pray. Preparation for your purpose always begins with prayer. If you're taking notes, preparation for the purpose that God has for you begins in prayer. You do not have the ability to expand your own capacity on your own. That can only happen by God in prayer. It's in prayer that God shows things to you, reveals things to you, speaks to you about the mission, the vision, the purpose for your life. And so if you're not in prayer, you're only experiencing what your mind and your ability and your brain has the capacity to understand. But if you'll go spend some time in prayer, God can speak into your life and show you things and reveal things in your life that you could have never imagined without it. He can expand your capacity in prayer. He can expand your capacity to match your calling in prayer. And it begins in prayer. My, my mom and my sister are visiting here today. I'm very glad to have them here. My mom, some of you uh, know this, a year ago this month, 
was diagnosed with peritoneal cancer, very serious form of cancer. And uh, it, it was devastating. And, and my mom has been the picture of health all her life. She doesn't even, she doesn't even take aspirin. I mean, she just rocks, rocks the heels, you know, does her thing. You know, she's, she's on it. And she's been super healthy and super active and all this. So when we got this diagnosis, when she got this diagnosis a year ago, man, it hit hard. It hit her heart. It hit the family heart. She gave me permission to share this, by the way. I got this cleared with mom. But, but she got it hit hard because it was a very, very serious situation, and it had already progressed. And so it, she was diagnosed on a Thursday. They said, we want you to come in on Tuesday for an urgent or emergency surgery. We need to get in right now and make this happen. We flew down to Phoenix. She went in. She had the surgery. After the surgery, they said, um, all right, now that you've withstood this little um, procedure. We want you to go through 18 weeks of intense chemotherapy treatments. You're going to go in every week. You're going to get hit with chemotherapy, and we're going to try to knock this thing out. Um, about a week into it, as I recall, my mom and I got on the phone, and there was this, this sound in her voice that I don't know that I've ever heard before. And she says to me, she says, you know, I, I just don't know if I can do this. This is beyond my capacity this is beyond my ability. Like, this is beyond my strength. I'm, I, maybe, maybe it's time for me to just say, all right, I'm going to waive the, the, the chemo because, you know, I've lived a good life and, and it's, you know, I just don't know if I can handle this, right? I wanted to encourage her to go through with it. My sisters wanted to encourage her to go through with it. But in her heart and in her mind, this was a stretch. This was a, I don't know if I can pull this off. You can ask her about this. I, I just don't know if I can handle this, Right? All of our encouragement was good. It's good to encourage. It's good. But I'll tell you where the, real, where the real breakthrough happened. My mom dug down in prayer. And people at this church dug down in prayer. People started calling her and praying with her. People were praying for her. People were taking videos of themselves praying for her and emailing those videos to her. She was praying. And about maybe a two weeks, three weeks later, I'm talking to mom and she's like, you know what? We're doing this. I'm climbing this mountain. I'm in. I'm going all the way through. I'm going to rock this thing out. We're going. And she, one week after the other, one faithful, powerful expansion of her capacity, expansion of her ability, and saying, I'm going to do this. Well, last week, she gets a, a notice from the doctor. They ran the test, and she's 100% cancer-free, 100%, totally free from cancer, which is a great outcome, which is a great outcome, and we praise God for it. But what's more important than that, because not everybody who has cancer and prays gets healed, right? It doesn't happen for everybody. It happened for her, but that doesn't happen. What's more important than the experience of her physical health is what happened in her spirit. God expanded her capacity to put her faith in him, expanded her ability to trust in him in difficult circumstances. This is something she had never faced. Stuff was coming her way that she had never experienced, never been sick, didn't go to the hospital, only, never even took aspirin, just things were, and this is massive, and God says, you know what, I'm going to stretch your capacity so that you can handle this problem that's coming your way. Some of you right now, you're in situations, you're going through situations, you're not sure if you have the capacity, the ability to handle it. God is saying, in prayer, I can expand your capacity. You can't stop the thing that's coming, but I can expand your capacity to handle it. I can expand your ability to fulfill your assignment if you'll stop and spend some time in prayer with me. So Peter is upstairs on the rooftop, the flat roof of the Mediterranean building, 
at the tanner's house praying, and, and, and it says this. It's about noon. Remember, he's praying. He got hungry. Uh, he became hungry and wanted something to eat. And that happens to me, too, when I pray, and it's about noon. You know, it's like, so while, he, while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. So Simon goes from just like normal prayer into a deeper level of prayer. He saw heaven opened up. Now he's getting a vision. He saw heaven opened up and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. I want you to notice something. I want you to notice what kind of animals were in the sheep. What kind? All kinds, right? Now, this is kind of a weird thing if you're not a church person. Like, what? I don't even get this. It's a sail. So think of like, he's having a vision. In the vision, it's this huge white sheep. It's this huge sail. And there are all kinds of animals, and they're being lowered down. And God is saying, I want you to eat. I want you to eat these animals. I want you to eat them. Now, he grew up in a, in a, in a culture where the, uh, the, the ritually pure animals were very distinct from the ritually impure animals. There were certain things you could eat, certain things you couldn't eat as a matter of religious practice. Lamb chops, fine. Pork chops, not okay. There are certain things, and now you've got this sheet coming down, and there's, lamb, and there's, a, there's a sheep, and there's a pig, and there's... there's so, so what's happening is just FYI, the vision is not actually about food, all right? It's about people. God is saying, you have, you, just like in your food categories, you have categorized people, and you have said these people are impure, and these people are pure, and these people are unclean, and these people are clean, and these people are my people, and these people are not my people, and what I want to show you in this vision, Simon, is they're all my people. I'm coming after all of them. When I say that I'm going to pour out my spirit on all people, I want to expand your capacity to understand what I mean when I say all. Are you with me? He says, I want to expand your ability to understand. When I say to the far reaches of the earth, I want you to know who I'm talking about. I'm talking about everybody, Simon. I want you to, I want you to preach to the whole. He's hitting the Peter principle. God is stretching him. God is saying, I want you to. But when we start getting stretched in an area that is uncomfortable for us, what do we do? We tend to go back to that which is familiar. We tend to revert back to that which we know. And that's exactly what Simon does. Here's, what, here's Simon's response to God saying, I want you to kill and eat. He says, surely not, Lord. Also translated as, no way. <laughs> Why? I've never eaten anything impure or unclean. I've never done that before. You're asking me to do something I've never done before. Right? Don't let the familiar get in the way of God's faith for you. Don't revert to that which you know. When God is saying, I want to take you into somewhere where you can grow, I don't, I, don't, I don't want you to just hold on to what you've done and what you've seen and use that as a measure of what God's going to do in your life. Because if you did that, man, Simon would still be catching fish on the Sea of Galilee. Every time Simon Peter has progressed, it's because God's stretching him into something new, stretching him into an area that he's never seen before. So he says, no way, God, I've never done this before. And God's response is classic. The voice spoke to him a second time and said, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. God's saying, don't limit my ability to redeem people to me. Don't limit my ability 
to reach out to people that you're unfamiliar with, that you find difficult to fathom. Don't limit, do not call anything impure which I have made clean. I am working on stuff that you don't even know about, Simon. So don't tell me that you can't, that you can't reach out to these po folks because I am setting them up for a, a, a worldwide movement that is unlike anything you've ever seen. He's stretching him. You see, God is, God is always going to have to stretch you in order to send you. God is always going to have to stretch your ability, stretch your capacity, stretch your understanding in order to send you into what he wants you to do. God's always going to have to stretch you to send you. You can put that slide up. He's going to stretch your heart. He's going to stretch your understanding. He's going to stretch your knowledge. He's going to stretch your strength. I've got a, I've got a, um, a visual for you. A lot of times I like to use visuals, and I haven't used one for a while. Some of you guys want to see a visual? A visual for, of what I'm talking about? One person does, and that's enough for me, so I'm going for it. Um, this is, I went to Party City the other day, and this is a balloon from Party City. The purpose of this balloon is to evoke joy, celebration, festivity, fun, happiness for children. It's basically what it's designed for. In its current state, it does none of those things, right? If I were to say, to a child, here you go, <laughs> they'd go, no thanks, right? Now, that's because this, this thing has not, has not fulfilled its potential yet. If I do this, I put just enough air in it to where it's not having to be stretched, it's just being filled to its own capacity in its current state, and I give this to your child, your child might go, okay, I mean, not great, but okay. You know, I'll play with it for a couple minutes, and then I'll go find a box or I'll find some crayons to eat. You know what I mean? I'll do something more interesting, right? For this balloon to actually fulfill its function in life, for it to fulfill the design and the purpose for which it was made, it has to be stretched. The material of the balloon has to be stretched in order to fulfill the function that it was designed for. Pray for me that I do not pass out as I... Blow this balloon up. God, expand the capacity of my lungs right now. <laughs> now, if I were to give this balloon to your child, your child's going to enjoy it because the balloon is going to fulfill the function for which it was designed, but in order for it to fill the, fulfill the function for which it was designed, do not, do not let loose and go flying through this auditorium. God, don't let that happen to me. Come on, baby. I know you're feeling for me right now. We're going to cut this out of the video. This part will not, this will be edited out. Anyway, I'm just going to hold it. Um, <laughs> it worked seamlessly in the first service. Seamlessly. Now that this thing has been stretched, now that this thing has been expanded, it can fulfill its function, right? You, hang, you, you give this to my kids, man, you can go take a nap for two hours. They're going to be bouncing this thing all over the house, right? Sometimes God has to stretch us in order to send us into the purpose for which we were designed, for which we were made. Can I give this to somebody who promises to pinch it for the rest of the service? <laughs> Ernest, thank you, man. God bless you, man. God is, God is trying to stretch us. 
to become the men and women that he's called us to be. I'm going to wrap this up. This happened, this vision happened three times. Simon is, is a three times guy, right? I'm going to deny you three times. I'm going to make up with you three times. I love you three times. God keeps, you know, it's just, God keeps going, hey, don't call things impure that I call pure. No way, I can't do it. Don't call things impure that I, right? Three times this happens. And then the sheet immediately was taken back to heaven. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out asking Simon, who was known as Peter, uh, uh, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you. Simon, I want you to go get up, go downstairs, do not hesitate to go with them, he said, for I have sent them. The scripture says, Peter went down and said to the men, I'm the one you're looking for. At the beginning of the story, I mean, when these three men come in, first of all, these are Italian, these guys are sent by the Italian soldier. One of them is a soldier. And Simon looks at these guys and his, 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 his ability, his comprehension, his capacity, his competence has been expanded. He says, I'm the one you're looking for. I'm going to give you what you need. I'm going to tell you what you need. I'm going to be the one that you need. We, we at our dream team party uh, this year, we had a theme, and it says, I am all in. That's what it says on our T-shirts. I am all in. Peter would have said the same thing. If you, in fact, if you look at the scriptures, Peter was always saying, hey, I'm all in. You know, if Jesus said, hey, some of you are going to deny me, Simon's like, not me. These guys might. I won't. I'm all in, right? But there was something that Peter didn't understand until God expanded his capacity. Because he's not just saying, I want you to be all in. He's saying, I want all in. He's saying, I want everybody in. I want to reach the people that you're afraid to talk to. I want to reach the people that freak you out. I want to reach the people that you're scared of. I want to reach the people that you just don't like. I want to reach the people that you mistrust. I want you, he's saying, I want you to be all in to help me get all in, Simon. I want you to be all in because I've got a vision for this world that's bigger than you. I'm going to break down your biases. I'm going to break down your prejudices. I'm going to break down your, your preconceived notions because I want you to be all in to help me get all in. Today, some of you are are not sure whether God can use you because of the known limitations that you have. And you've got them and you know them and the people closest to you know them. And God is saying, look, I can expand your capacity to fulfill your purpose. I can expand your capacity to match your calling. I want to take a moment before we close out this service and I want to show you a short little video uh, that we made for, uh, Kim Oswalt made for our dream team. And it really demonstrates the impact that our dream team is having in reaching those who have not been reached, reaching those who are seeking help, reaching those who are seeking God in their life. Show this video and then we'll close. I noticed people and for the first couple weeks that I was here, I was noticing people that were doing things that were 
unsung and yet so very important. Everyone is showing God's love from the moment Everyone. you cross the street. Everyone is preaching and showing God's love. And that's really, for believers and non-believers, that's what people are looking for. Pastor Brent could have a fantastic message, but if they didn't feel welcomed yeah. or loved or valued and appreciated, then they wouldn't come back. They're opening the door, they're smiling. And then when you come in, they're like, hey, would you like a cup of coffee? You want some tea? They're right there. People are, are prepped to receive what the Lord has to give them in the Word because of the friendliness of the people at the front door. The Dream Team were, was always warm and welcoming and at no point did I feel like I was judged for things that I've done in the past or anything. They always just, whenever you see them, they're always smiling and excited to see you. We came on our very first day, we asked if we could just go upstairs and see the kids ministry and I thought that might have been a strange question but they really welcomed it because we didn't think our girls would want to stay, that they would cling to us, but boy, were we wrong. Because yeah. we toured it and everyone was so kind. They said, of course, come on in and see. And they really pumped it up and showed them the songs they were singing and the different rooms. And um, uh, Jason and Miss Lois were so compassionate and really kind, and our kids wanted to go right away. And now they ask, can we go back to Children's Church? We want to go to that new church. And they're so excited about it. And that just gives us peace about being able to focus on our relationships with God. I think whenever anybody volunteers or takes time to dedicate their own personal time, it just takes remarkable people. The fact that they show up in all kinds of weather, happy to be here, um, is just a true reflection of how much they love this church and how much they love the Lord. Maybe to them it doesn't seem like much, but it is incredible. This works like a well-oiled machine because of the folks who take the time to give of themselves those those long hours on Sunday when they could be doing other things. I'll tell you one of the, the biggest uh, sermons that uh, I received was on the day when we came and it was nice and clear and then we were leaving and it was snowing sideways and David was just out there smiling. Couldn't really see him because there was so much <laughs> snow out there but he was just smiling and stopping traffic. That smile and that stop sign. Shortly after I arrived, my father died on February 1st, and I went back home for his funeral, and the outpouring of love from this church was amazing. There were flowers sent, there were um, phone calls made. Sister Pam Love from the prayer team called and prayed with my mother over the phone. After I'd only been here for just a few weeks, I didn't think that I made a difference here, but the outpouring of love just touched my heart. And I thank each one of you for what you've done for the Lord and living out your passion in such an amazing way in this church. It's incredible. Thank you. Yes, man. I love, I love what they said, which is that the best sermons that they've heard at this church is from the people that served them before they even walked in the door. I mean... God, if, if, if we knew six years ago, seven years ago, when New City Family Church started, what God was going to do, man, I would have spent a lot less time worrying. I, I would have spent a lot less time wringing my hands because God had to stretch me, and he's had to stretch some of you to understand what he's really trying to accomplish in you and through you. Today, if you have not if you're facing that Peter principle and you're hitting that wall in your own life and you're not experiencing the results that you know God wants you to experience, I want to just challenge you to stop for a minute 
and let God open your heart in prayer. Let him expand who you are. Let him expand your understanding of his vision for your life. Let him expand what he's got for you because he wants to grow you. He wants to grow you so that you can be a part of growing his kingdom on the earth. If you're hitting the Peter principle today, I want to challenge you to experience the Simon stretch. For some of you, that may just mean that today you stop and pray. And it's, maybe it's been a long time, but today as we close out, you just stop and you pray, God, I need you in my life. That might be your step. For others, it might be a further step. Get a connection card out and get connected. You know, be a part of a church community. Find a way to plug in or go to the next steps thing after service and, and, and find a place to serve or get involved in a life group or some way or other, begin to allow God to stretch you into the man and into the woman that God's called you to be. Because he's got a plan for you. He's got a purpose for you. He's got a purpose for us as a church family that is far bigger than anything any of us are imagining right now. When God says all, he means all. He wants us to reach a world by the power of his love to bring people and God together from every background, every nation, every tongue, every tribe. He's calling us to be his hands and feet on the earth. And he's going to give us the power to do it. Let me pray for you. Father, as we close, I just ask that you speak into our hearts, expand our abilities, expand our understanding of who you are and what you want to do in us and to us and through us. God, I ask that you give every single person in here strength and power and expand them, expand their life, God. They're facing obstacles and challenges, difficulties that they don't know how to overcome. Give them strength, God, to overcome. Expand their heart. Expand all of us, God. Stretch us into the men and women that you've called us to be, that we might reach the people that you've called us to reach. Father, we pray that you receive honor, praise, and glory. In Jesus' name we pray.